It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network, which is a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Folks, you know by now, it's not a victory Monday. It's the furthest thing from it. The Steelers lose Sunday to the Cleveland Browns on the road on the shores of Lake Erie. The mistake by the lake, 13-10, final score, 13-10. And if you missed the game, well, God bless you. Good for you. Because you were shielded from that putrid display of what they call football. I don't know why that's not football. I don't know what that was, but that's not football. And we I have a lot to talk about here in the first half of the podcast. Second half of the podcast, I'm going to dive into the winners and losers. Two winners, seven losers. You might think, Jeff, how do you only have seven losers after that game? Let's just say I group things together. <laughs> Save myself some time and frustration. So I, I, I definitely went the route of grouping people. You'll get to it. You'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Do have some news to cover before we get into the first half of the show. Injuries. Always talk about the injuries after every single Steelers game. Mike Tomlin said that uh, Elijah Riley, who left the game, was not able to return, is dealing with a high ankle sprain. People need to remember high ankle sprains can be very lengthy returns so I wouldn't be shocked if you see Elijah Riley potentially move to IR or something like that we'll be on the lookout stay tuned to steelcurtainnetwork.com for all the up-to-date news with that but you know the Steelers loss moves their record to six and four and they drop down a rung in the AFC North standings just above the Cincinnati Bengals and a lot of fans are saying ah oh, they're done they're done I get it 
I really, really, honest to God, get it. But they're not done. They're far from dead. Let's look at the next five games for the Steelers, shall we? Let's just take a look. So next week, they're at Cincinnati. Backup quarterback Joe Burrow done for the year. I know I know they lost this game today, but that Cincinnati defense is not the Cleveland defense. But we'll talk about that as the week progresses. Then they go back to Heinz. I almost said Heinz Field. Good Lord. They go back to Acrisher Stadium for two straight games. At They have the Arizona Cardinals. Then they have, on a Thursday night game, the New England Patriots. Then they hit the road for an Indianapolis Colts game, which we're still not sure what day of the week that's on. And then they come back to Pittsburgh for a game against the Bengals. So you have Bengals, Cardinals, Patriots, Colts, Bengals. Now the last few games gets a little dicey. We'll, we'll talk about that. But still, these games are all very winnable games especially when now that Joe Burrow is not in the lineup anymore. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, and I don't want to get too optimistic here because the the crux and the, my feelings about this team right now are not of the optimistic variety. The polar opposite. Not pessimistic. I, I'm not saying that the sky is falling. I'm not saying that there's no hope. I'm saying that the Pittsburgh Steelers, if they want to do anything in the next five games, if they want to even be in the discussion for a playoff berth. I, I, so there, there needs to be some actual tangible change. Because I, that's something I've talked a lot about on this podcast. For my ride or die crew that listens every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you all know this. When I talk about potential changes, I try to bring up things that could actually happen. I try to bring up things that are things that could possibly be adjusted within a week. Not something like, well, they need to scrap the offensive plan and move on to X, Y, or Z. That's not something that can be done in a week. So I'll say things like, hey, they need to try different personnel groupings, or maybe they need to try and play X player a little bit more. We definitely talked about that with Joey Porter Jr. and Keanu Benton. But for me, I look at this team and think, who knows where they're going to head from here? Who knows where they're going to go from here? They're not dead. I just said that. But who knows where they go from here? This is pretty low. This is pretty low. We're at a pretty low point for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But some would say that the Steelers, the way they were winning football games, you know, they always, and it's not sustainable, not sustainable. I hate to tell you this, but even today, that was that they, they played it to a T. They kept it close and they just needed the offense to wake up once and they just couldn't. Actually, they did wake up once, but they needed to have one drive and they just couldn't do it. And so you kind of play with fire. When you have this philosophy, when you have this bend, don't break mentality and just keep it close and let's hope the offense can pull out the win in the end. Well, when you play with fire, what's what's the potential risk is that you're going to get burned. And that's exactly what happened to the Steelers on Sunday. But I'll tell you what really bothered me, really chapped my rear end, as they would say, you know, I'm, I'm after the game, I'm kind of frustrated, as I'm sure a lot of fans are watching this team play week in and week out. And so I do what I'm, I'm doing my job. I have to listen to Mike Tomlin's post-game press conference. And so when you see a quarterback like Kenny Pickett, who has gone out there for the last three to four weeks and looked absolutely awful, and some might even say he didn't look that great before that, and you have an offensive scheme which is broken beyond belief, it's nothing is working, it's so predictable, you would think that the head coach would stand up and say, you know what, we need to change some stuff. Like We need to think and, and, and we need to really think about how we're going about our business. I'm not expecting 
Mike Tomlin to sit at a podium and say, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm done with this play caller or anything like that. No, that's not how he does business. We've been following this guy since 2007. You know that's not how he does business. But his post-game press conference really pissed me off. It just seemed like he was passing the buck. You know, he talked about the opponent and how good the Browns were and the venue and the hostile environment. I, it just It just seemed like everyone involved was handed a crutch. Hey, y'all had a bad performance. You want it's tough to walk right here. Take a crutch. You take a crutch too. Matt Canada, here's a crutch. Kenny Pickett, there's your crutch. You need it. So does Matt Canada. Defense and Tara Lawson here. Here's your crutch. I just hate that. I hate that. I, I wanted to see, hear some semblance of accountability, but it's not it. That's not it. That's not what we got. At what point do you own how crappy this offense is? You can say things like, well, you know, we're, there's no, we're not going to leave a stone unturned, blah, 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 all the stupid Tomlinisms that we've heard for years. We didn't even get that. We didn't even get that. And so then I'm like, okay, we do our postgame show. And we're, myself, Brian, and Dave are talking about the game. People are chiming in, and then someone starts talking about how Kenny Pickett's postgame press conference, he talked about how the Steelers prepared – for a man-heavy defensive system in Cleveland, and Cleveland came out and played zone schemes, and it confused them. And I said, well, this is interesting. But like I always do, I'm not going to draw conclusions based on what someone tells me or what I see in the written word. I want to hear them myself. So I listened after the post-game show, after I kind of let myself decompress a little bit, had dinner with the family, And all of a sudden, there's Kenny Pickett's interview. I'm listening to it, and he says, yeah, we were expecting a lot of man defense. They went with different zone concepts that we weren't ready for, and he said we need to adjust better. And this just kind of threw me through a loop because now I'm going to read between the lines of those comments. And reading between the lines of those comments, what a damning statement to the coaching staff and what a damning statement to the entire offense, especially the quarterback, who what it sounds like, if a defense comes out in a different scheme, man versus zone, above the neck, not capable of adjusting on the fly. That's what it seems like to me. That seems so damning to the entire offense. And this is what it comes down to. We have seen this week in and week out. And we've been able to put lipstick on a pig on more than one occasion. Well, they're finding a way to win, and Kenny Pickett gets the game-winning drive, and all this stuff happens, and it just kind of pacifies us until the next week. But this time, it didn't work. This time, you saw how bad the offense is and what it looks like when they don't come out, get that one or two big plays, get those big plays and able to say, well, at least we won. Mike Tomlin can't say, I'm measured by wins and losses, and Kenny Pickett is measured by wins and losses. He can't say that. You lost the game. So I did some thinking about this because I'm thinking about what Tomlin said or didn't say, thinking about what Kenny Pickett said, and I've come to the conclusion that if I were the, if I were the Steelers on Monday, but shoot, probably not even Monday, and maybe, maybe I'll be lucky, and this will happen before – after the recording of this podcast, but I don't think it will. I'll tell you what I would do. Here's what I would do. 
I'm Mike Tomlin, I'm going into Art Rooney's office or I'm on the phone with him, they're probably already back in Pittsburgh. And I'm going to say, hey, Art, we need to have a talk. And Art's going to say, "Go, sure, Mike, what's up? Like, how's it going? Clearly, Art, it's not going well. Here's what I want to do. We need to fire Matt Canada. And then Art's going to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, what are we doing here? And so here's, here's why I feel that the Steelers should just fire Matt Canada. Just do it. I'll tell you why. What is the ongoing debate amongst the Steelers fan base pertaining to Kenny Pickett and Matt Canada? It's, well, which one is to blame? Is it Kenny Pickett? Well, I don't know, because Kenny Pickett's everyone always has the other, other side of the debate that I don't really want to get into that, but still, they say, well, it's the, it's the coordinator, it's the scheme, and he's not having routes go over the middle and this, that, and the other. So you know what you... Eliminate one of those two. Matt Canada's gone. Mike Sullivan or the other guy, the pass game coordinator, his his name escapes me at the moment, nor do I care at the moment. You can call the plays for the rest of the season. Could it get worse? I really don't see how it could. I'm being honest here. I don't see how it could be any worse than if Mike Sullivan or the other dude or both of them call plays. So, yeah, I know my, that everyone talks about how frugal the Steelers are and Art Rooney. So, yes, you would have to pay Matt Canada for the rest of the year, and his contract would be up, and he are going to obviously part ways anyways. But this would give you an idea. Let's say that Kenny Pickett, under this new scheme or an altered scheme based on probably what the quarterback really wants to do, let's say it is actually successful. They start to move the ball well. You're starting to see a lot of things happen that just hadn't happened yet. Kenny Pickett's looking like the quarterback that we expected. Not even going to go as far as saying the guy or a franchise quarterback. Not saying that. But he starts to resemble what we expected. The offense is starting to move the ball. They're putting up some points. Guess what? Just found your answer, right? You just found your answer. Not in the play caller, but in the fact that maybe the play caller was the big issue. But what about the flip side? You fire Matt Canada, and now all of a sudden, Kenny Pickett's struggles continue. And even if it's a very Kenny Pickett-focused game plan where he's putting his heart and soul and mind into it, and it's still not working, you might just have your answer there too. I think it's the, the easiest thing to, for the Steelers to do at this juncture. It, it, you are, like I just said, you're at the lowest point of the season offensively. You put up 10 points, and if you didn't have a 74-yard touchdown run by Jalen Warren, you would not even have had that. You would have had three. You would have had three. So that's what I would do. I would fire Matt Canada and say, hey, we're just going to, we're moving on. We have to move on. We appreciate everything that he did for us, but it's time to part ways. It's just not working out, and we need to figure out what we have in our quarterback, and that's the best way to do it. But I'll tell you one more thing about Kenny Pickett because I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen at all. If I'm Kenny Pickett, he would have to be blind, deaf, or dumb to not see, hear, think, whatever, all the things that are being said about him in the media, from the fan base, all over the place. Everyone's got to know what's happening and he's got to feel it. If I'm Kenny Pickett and I have a spine in my back, there is no chance in hell that I'm not going to go down without some taking some swings. I'm going to go down swinging if I'm going to go down. 
I'm not just going to say, okay, Matt, I'm just going to check it down here to Jalen Warren because that's the design of the play. Screw it. Screw it. If you have to go all James Vanderbeek from Varsity Blues and you just ignore the play calls, so be it. That's that's what I don't understand. I just don't understand this. So if I'm Kenny Pickett and Matt Canada stays, which I assume is going to happen because the Steelers aren't going to make the move that I suggested, nor would they ever, I get it, that's fine, then I'll be damned if I, I want to see Kenny Pickett take some shots. Man, quit playing it safe. I'm actually at the point in my life and at the stage of my like fandom and me watching this team this season where I'm okay if he turns it over a couple times. Take some shots down the field. Give me something that resembles an explosive offense. Back the defense off the line of scrimmage. I just I just don't get it. I just don't understand it. And I used this analogy on the post-game show, and I'll use it here. I'm watching the Steelers, and I'm watching the Browns just look like they they know all the plays. It's what it looks like. And it looks like the Steelers are running the same plays over and over again to the point where, for instance, I'll give you an example. They had a play where Jalen Warren was split out wide. And all of a sudden, Kenny Pickett motions Jalen Warren, not in the sidecar position in the shotgun for protection, but behind him. And I said, here we go, swing pass to Jalen Warren. What happens? Swing pass to Jalen Warren. Not one single defender ran with their receiver down the field and Jalen Warren was met with a sea of brown and orange for a loss of yardage. And so some people on Twitter said, well, Jeff, why wouldn't Kenny just throw it deep? Throw it to the guys where they left. They've never built off of these fundamental plays that they run. So in a perfect world, Kenny Pickett would first have the time, but he would fake the swing pass and then hopefully have someone downfield. I don't think he would have had the time to do that, to be honest with you. It's just mind-numbing. But anyways, I'm watching these plays, and I'm thinking, you know what this looks like? This looks like when I was a kid, again, I'm 40 years old, not Super Nintendo, regular Nintendo, the original NES, there was Tecmo Bowl. Those of you that are about my age, maybe even a little older, you probably remember this. The very first Tecmo Bowl, you didn't even have all the teams, and you had four plays to choose from. Two on offense and two on defense. Or I'm sorry, two run, two pass. So when you selected your play on the offense, the defense tried to guess the play. And if they guessed the play, it blew up in your face. I'm talking like the defenders just swarmed the ball carrier or the quarterback, whatever the play was. But if they didn't guess the play, there's a chance it was going to work. And so then ah, that game was awesome. Then came Super Tech Mobile. Holy cow, we now have a full allotment of teams in the National Football League, and you have eight plays now to choose from. Four pass and four run. Well, this was mind-boggling for us that just love to play as young kids. But still, same policy. If you guess the play, it gets blown up. And so when I'm watching the Steelers now, all I'm seeing, this is this is what it looks like. It looks like they are in the Tecmo Bowl, and they only have four plays that they can run. Screw the pass plays, so now you only have two. They're running the same thing over and over again, and it's like Jim Schwartz was just guessing the play over and over and over again. I think what this all boils down to is we really just want, as fans, to see something change. Whether it's in the coaching staff, like I mentioned, whether it is 
actually in how a scheme is orchestrated, whether it is developing different schemes and having a more versatile outlook, using your players to their best ability. And we're not seeing it ever. Ever. It's all we want to see is a little bit of change. It's just not happening. All right. When we get back from the break, we're going to talk about winners and losers. Like I said, two winners, seven losers. I'll explain. Be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. My gosh, if you stayed this long, you're a saint. I appreciate every one of the ride or die crew that want to sit through this, but here we go. Two winners and seven losers. That's what we're talking about. Let's get those winners out of the way. Jalen Warren tops the list. Obviously, you should have known that. Nine carries, 129 yards rushing, 14.3-yard average, one touchdown, which was a 74-yard scamper. He also added three catches on three targets for 16 yards. What sucks about this winner 
nothing about Jalen Warren is the fact that he only had nine carries, 12 total touches. This guy puts up over 140 yards of offense, and he only touches the ball 12 times. I don't get that. I don't understand how anyone can justify that. Jalen Warren is was a one-man offense on Sunday. And I mean that in every sense of the word. He was a one-man offense. Well, what do you mean, Jeff? What I mean is that he did it all himself. Take away his yardage, and the Steelers did hardly anything. What, Pat Fryermuth's one catch, George Pickens, couple catches, Allen Robinson, I think, had one or two catches. That's it. Jalen Warren is a winner. He deserves more playing time. He deserves more touches. I'm not talking about RB1, RB2 crap. He needs more touches. Let's move on to the next winner. Alandon Roberts. Alandon Roberts popped on the screen. I mean, this guy was all over the place. 15 tackles, 11 of them were solo, and two tackles for losses. Alandon Roberts, like I said, he was all over the field. And at a time where he's playing next to guys who, as of last week, were either on the bench or were on the, as Mike Tomlin calls it, the card defense, the scout team defense. He also did a great job trying to orchestrate everything, getting everyone lined up, getting make sure everyone knew the call. The Landon Roberts is a veteran. He absolutely knows what he's doing. Good for him. I love to see it. He's a hard hitter. I like Landon Roberts. He's a winner for sure. And that is honest. That's it. That's all I could come up with. I thought, I mean, yeah, I could put Chris Boswell on there, but... I would want to. I want to see them give him a Chris Boswell a chance to make that game winning or that go ahead field goal at the end of the game and not punt the ball away. I didn't do it, so we just have two winners. Let's go to the losers. I'm going to put the top loser as the coaching staff. I, I go back to like the game plan, like the game plan with against DTR Dorian Thompson Robinson. What was it? And what did you think they were going to do? The defense made some adjustments. But then at the end of the game, they go away from everything that they had been doing that was successful in the second half against DTR. And they go into the soft zone and they end up they allow them to go down and get into field goal range and win the game. What what is that? What adjustment is that? You talk about the comments by Kenny Pickett. Oh, they played more zone. We didn't know how we we weren't sure how to counteract that. What? Who? You don't know how to counter a zone scheme? I'll talk to Coach KT Smith. I guarantee you his high schoolers probably know how to do that. Now, I understand the concepts are a little bit more advanced, but I just feel like that's a damning statement. I've already talked about that. The game plan, it was awful. It was awful. Mike Tomlin can sit there at the podium and say, well, this is what we expected. I'm calling BS. That was awful. Coaching staff takes a big L. Next, let's go to Kenny Pickett. He's on the losers list. 15 of 28, 106 yards, 3.8-yard average, Zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. He was sacked three times for 29 yards, a 62.5 rating. This is what we've seen from Kenny Pickett the last few games. The only difference is that we didn't have, oh, well, Kenny Pickett also was able to drive the team down the field when it mattered most and get a field goal. We didn't have that. When he had that opportunity, we got a three and out. So this is what I was talking about. I, I think some people last week when I made the declaration that I'm not having this discussion about this debate anymore about Kenny Pickett and being the guy or not the guy. Some people thought I was never going to talk about him anymore. I'm just going to call it like it is. And what it was on Sunday was he sucked. He was awful. 
15 of 28 for 106 yards. What is this? Is this like the, is this like some, it looked like the University of Iowa out there. Like it was awful. It was atrocious. Kenny Pickett's on the losers list. I'm not talking about if he's the future, blah, blah, blah. He sucked. He was a loser in this game, and that's why he's on the list. Let's go to the next loser. Presley Harvin. Big press. I've talked, I talked too much about punting probably on my podcast. You go back to Weasel Boy. When I'm talking about Weasel Boy, I'm talking about Jordan Berry. For those that don't know, maybe this is your first season listening. Maybe it's your first time listening. When Jordan Berry was the punter, the one thing I hated the most was his inconsistency. It's why I wanted him gone. And now, Presley Harvin, he is equally as inconsistent as Jordan Berry was. You have games where he's punting lights out, and it just looks so awesome. And Dave Schofield, he did the numbers on this, I think, in the offseason. Really great stuff. How great Presley Harvin is at home compared to on the road. Well, guess what? You still have to play eight games on the road. That's inconsistent. That's what I don't like. Presley Harvin's 20-yard shank. Some people I put on Twitter, I can punt the ball 20 yards. People said, oh, really? Let's prove it. Okay, so what what, what are we doing this for? You know, if, if people want to say on Twitter, like, you want to, I'll pick a charity. We can donate the money to charity. We'll, we'll get some donations for all these people that don't think that I can punt a ball 20 yards. I'll go out of field, I'll film it, and we'll do this. But I can punt a ball 20 yards. Okay, let's go to the next loser. Matt Canada. I already talked about the coaching staff, but he deserves a very specific part in this losers list. Matt Canada is painfully predictable. That is how I would describe Matt Canada's offense. Again, is it the is is it his fault or is it Kenny Pickett's fault? If you eliminate one, like I said in the first half, then you wouldn't have to really worry about it. If Matt Canada was removed from the situation and Kenny Pickett still sucks, then you know it's a Kenny Pickett problem. But at the same time, I just find these second and long runs, I find some of these designed, like they try to get cute and creative in the really weird and wrong situations, a reverse to George Pickens, no one bought into it, just bad, painfully predictable. That's Matt Canada in a nutshell. Let's go to the next loser, pass protection. The Steelers gave up only two sacks and four quarterback hits. Everyone's probably like, well, Jeff, that's not that bad. It's also, if you watch the game, it's not good. A lot of the pressure that Kenny Pickett has been seeing is coming from two areas. Up the middle, Mason Cole, or on the left side, Dan Moore Jr. And I think there you have those two players, those two positions are ones that need big-time upgrades this offseason. You're going to have to suffer through it this year unless they're going to say, Broderick Jones, you're at left tackle, and Chooks is back in at right. They do have that option, by the way. They do have that option, by the way. And I think that it's it's something that they should explore if it's going to continue to look this way. But at the same time as me saying that Kenny Pickett has sucked, which he has, I'm not going to say that on this day the pass protection was great. Because there were a lot of times where Pickett did not have a clean pocket. His pocket awareness is not good. But he did not have a clean pocket. He didn't have time. Jim Schwartz brought the house, and they didn't get the slide. They didn't. They didn't get the protections right, or maybe they weren't ready for it. I don't know. Pass protection was an issue. Okay, so I talked about how we're lumping things together. So, like the coaching staff, pass protection. Here we go. We're going to take two and lump into one. Third down offense and the red zone offense are both losers. But I'm just going to put them together. They were three for fourteen and on third down. 
I'll say that again in case you maybe spit your coffee out. Three for 14. And they finished 0 for 1. Zero. Oh, nothing. Nilch. Zero in the red zone. 0 for 1. Over. These are the downs. These are the areas of the field that that matter the most. And if the Steelers are going to be 3 for 14, and the one time they get into the, the red zone, they, they leave with just a field goal, that's not going to cut it in any game. I don't care if it's New England on Thursday night or Arizona at home. You're not going to win a lot of football games with those numbers. Everyone says that 50% is way too high. I'm sorry, 3 for 14, unacceptable. So let's go to the final loser. And it's one that's on the losers list way too often, and it's not even a Steeler-related thing. It's the officiating. So I want to talk about this because I, I just hate it. My gosh, I hate it. It just feels like an inside job sometimes. Let me explain. The the Ford touchdown, the first score of the game, the Browns go down the field, and it's close. It's really close on third and goal. But let's remember how this process works. They, the officials, ruled that Ford was down short. So they said it was not, it's fourth and goal. This isn't about whether the Steelers would have stopped them on fourth down. They could have. They just stopped them on third down. They could do it again. Or they could have scored, let them score a touchdown. Then that's not the point. The point is, is that now all of a sudden the Browns challenge and say that the ball got over the, the goal line. I am someone that if they do this challenge and it looks like, wow, like I can see it. Like there's the football, there's the goal line, it's a touchdown. You know, it's, a, it's one of those things. But for them to overturn the call, you need to see clear visual evidence that the ball crossed that plane. And like I said, if I see that, I will be the first to say, yep, that's a touchdown. Just like if George Pickens doesn't get his feet in, yeah, it touched the, touched the line. That sucks. Wish he made the play. I have yet to see a replay where that ball looks like it gets over the goal line. And the replay that they showed on the telecast did not show one either. And so I'm wondering this whole time, where is this where is this view that is so clear and concise that it overturns the call on the field? Where is it? I haven't seen it to this day. To this being recorded, I have yet to see that replay angle. And so here's where it feels like an inside job. It feels like an inside job when CBS, who's covering the game, they don't really show all the angles nor do they show them enough, even if they know that the NFL got it wrong. Because it, that, I know, hey, you're in bed, CBS, with the NFL. You pay a lot of money. You want to make them happy. I get it. Gene Steratore, he's on the horn, and they're talking to him, and he's like, well, look at this angle, and he's trying to piece this together like the Zapruder film and trying to put everything together. I just didn't see it. And then you look at the the challenge, like the, the video footage of, Kenny Pickett on fourth down on the quarterback sneak. And you look at some of these other spots. It's just weird how you never, as a fan, get to see these replay reviews that you're supposed to be able to see everything that the officials are seeing. If they're seeing something that's different, the NFL would do themselves a huge favor by letting fans see that so that people like myself don't talk about them on their podcasts and say how it feels like it's it's a the fix is in sometimes. 
That was the first score of the game. I'm not saying that that was like, hey, someone's on the horn. Well, we want the we want the Browns to win. No, but it's it still bothers me that we have yet to see that re- replay review that they saw that said, oh, yep, definitely over. I also don't know how in today's day and age, in the pass happy, I'm sorry, not pass happy, flag happy NFL officiating, that somehow the Browns don't have a penalty thrown on them until the second to last drive of the fourth quarter. To me, that is unfathomable. I just do not, cannot subscribe to that. I'm sorry. Officiating remains a talking point. This isn't me saying that the Steelers should have won because of this. No, not saying that at all. This is me saying the officiating continues to suck and that the NFL needs to do something about it. But they won't because they don't care. All they care about is the money. All right, folks, that does it for me. I'm going to get off my soapbox now. Maybe you resonated with some of the stuff I said today. Maybe you didn't, and that's fine. If you want to communicate with me, it's easy. Find me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Super responsive on that app. I love Twitter. It's my favorite app. So go check me out there and also be on the lookout for the mailbag tweet on Tuesday. We are still having our full allotment of shows this week. So we're still going to have Monday, Wednesday, Friday, even though Thanksgiving's coming up. So be on the lookout for all that good stuff. That does it for me. You know how we finish it out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your week. See you on Wednesday.